And this is how couples get into these types of situations with their wedding vendors because they are shopping on price alone. Hey there, welcome to the Complete Wedding Photography for Couples podcast. Do you know that the number one regret for most couples after their wedding is usually their photographs? Tammy will share all the knowledge and expertise she has gained over the years to help you get the very best wedding images from your photographer. The conversations on this podcast are going to help you understand how almost every decision you make for your wedding day directly affects your photographer. Tammy is going to give you the knowledge and awareness you need to create a nearly perfect position for your photographer to be in on your wedding day. And that means better images for you to remember your special milestone. Tammy Blaylock is an internationally awarded, nationally featured wedding photographer and published author. Since 2010, she has excelled in helping each of her couples capture beautiful, emotive images from their big day. Tammy wants your wedding day to be as perfect as you do. So tune in and listen up, because this episode's about to begin. All right. Hello. And once again, a very warm welcome to this little corner over here of this gigantic, consuming little pocket of the podcast world. If you found me and you're listening right now, I just want to welcome you here and thank you so much for listening. I hope you're here today to tune in and learn just how you can help set your wedding photographer up for success and eliminate all the obstacles and challenges that you didn't even know that you might be creating for your wedding photographer. I am so happy that you're here. So this past weekend, I helped to celebrate my good friend, Chris. I met Chris back in 1990. Now, I remember this meeting very well, but he has absolutely zero recollection because I met him through a fellow soldier that I was blessed to meet and become really good friends with back in basic training, uh, Monica. And she ran into Chris in basic training and they started dating for a while But I guess when we got shipped out of basic training and they got placed in their first duty stations, they lost touch for a while. And it wasn't until they kind of reconnected in BNOC, I think, which is like um, another training for when you become um, an E5 or above, that's when their romance kind of rekindled after AIT. So it had been several years. But anyway, they went on to get married and start a life together. And it wasn't until sometime in the 2000s that I, uh, Monica and I found each other again, uh, long after, or sometime after, well, I guess I had kind of kept in contact with her mom before this was before Facebook existed. So I kept in contact with Monica's mom. Hey, where's Monica at? And her and I might have exchanged a few letters at different duty stations throughout our military career. She stayed in about twice as long as I did. And then once Facebook was born, we stayed in contact that way. And then maybe about 
10 years ago, we actually started meeting up face to face. And then about two years ago, she moved to San Antonio, her and Chris were setting up to retire. So we've been able to hang out a lot in the last two years. But this past weekend, we celebrated Chris's birthday. And it was a lot of fun. Anyhow, you didn't come here for that. Let's get into today's topic. And it's part two of real life stories about professional, and I'm using air quotes, professional photographers behaving badly. So these are real true stories from my book, from other photographers, from other venue owners, and from other wedding planners about things they have witnessed in their careers, about things they have seen. And these are just stories to stress the importance of why it's so important to properly vet your vendors so that it can give you examples of why it's so important to vet your vendors and to kind of give you examples of the situations that it can put you in or the kinds of situations that it can put your other vendors in on your wedding day. If you want to know all my tips for properly and completely vetting your vendors for your wedding day so that you have less of a chance of being put in these kinds of situations, tune into episodes 18 and 40. And I will put those links in my show notes so that you can easily get to those. This is not in my book, but I want to start off with um, just briefly telling you of a story that I learned about late last week in one of my Facebook groups. So there was a female photographer shooting a wedding and there was a team of videographers. I don't know if they were all male, but I know that at least one of them was a male photographer. And for most of the wedding day, the team of videographers had their owner present. But at some point before the cake cutting, the owner of the videography company left and When the owner of the company left, this one male videographer in particular started acting out very aggressively towards the female photographer. And I can't remember all the examples that she mentioned in her Facebook post, but the one, so to speak, that broke the camel's back was when she was, it was cake cutting. And she did mention that the male videographer been using this really long lens all day long. So he was shooting back from really far. He wasn't getting up close and personal to any of the timeline events during the wedding day. So he was shooting back from real far. But during the cake cutting, she had on a wider lens. So she was a little bit closer to the cake cutting than he was. I just have to input a little bit of my own two cents here. When you are, or at least when I am photographing a wedding day, when I am looking through my viewfinder, there are about 17 billion things going through my mind. I am looking at what I'm photographing. I am seeing how these people are interacting with each other. I am looking at my shutter speed. I am looking at my ISO. I am looking at my aperture. I am 
using my eyes to glance around all four edges of my image and seeing what is protruding within the image. I am looking at the background of my image and seeing are there any obstructing things going on in the background. I'm looking at the foreground of the image and seeing is there any thing that is impeding in the foreground of the image. I am listening to things that are going on beside me or behind me, trying to gauge, is that something that's more important that I should be photographing in the moment? I am trying to ignore the fact that my back might be hurting or that I have to go to the bathroom. I I mean, there, I, I can't tell you how many things are going through a photographer's mind in the moment. And, you know, I'm also trying to keep in mind where are my videographers, but sometimes, you know, trying to keep my mind on my job for the couples, there are many times during the day when I forget, you know, I, I forget where my videographers are. And this story about this female photographer and this and the run-in with this male videographer, this may have been her case. She may have forgot that her this male counterpart videographer had a 300 millimeter lens or whatever she said he was shooting with that day which probably was a little bit overkill. She may have forgot that he was shooting from that far back and maybe that wasn't the best lens choice for him at this moment. Anyhow, during the cake cutting, she was probably using the best lens for the moment for her job at that second. So she was up shooting the cake cutting a lot closer than he was and I guess that was his tipping point that she had been in his shots all day. And he very aggressively came up from behind her. No warning, no verbal words were exchanged at all. Grabbed her by literally by the seat of her pants and jerked her back very physically. And again, without warning and literally lifted her off of her feet. And now she is considering pressing a criminal complaint against this other vendor. So my question to you is, how would you like all of this drama surrounding your wedding day to be unfolding because you didn't fully vet your vendors or read enough uh, Google reviews or ask enough other wedding vendors about the reputation of this videography company. Because she also goes on to state that when she said she was just fuming that he did this to her, he embarrassed her, he hurt her, and he really overstepped his boundaries with this female wedding photographer, that when she complained about it to a member of the other videographer team that this other videographer said he acts like this all the time. So he obviously has a reputation for doing this. So that tells me that there was a possibility that the couple could have found out about his behavior before this company was hired and maybe they could have not have picked this company. It also tells me that the owner is not acting responsibly with this employee or 
contracted worker or whatever he is in relation to the videography company. So anyway, my point is that companies like this, companies who act out like this, very unprofessionally, very criminally, I mean, let's just call it what it is, should not be working on wedding days. Okay, so let's get Let's now get to some stories from the book. So the first story from my book is from, and I'm sorry, Dilshan, if I'm going to butcher your last name. I actually Googled this right before I started recording to try to make sure that I'm going to pronounce it correctly. But if I don't, please forgive me. So my first story is from Dilshan Edisaria from Dilshan Wedding and Events from San Antonio, Texas. But in truth, he plans weddings and events all over the United States, and he does an incredible job at it. So he didn't really have a single incident per se. He just had a general comment. So this is what Dilshan had to say. Mostly, I've just noticed some photographers disregarding certain protocols set forth by other vendors, namely the planner and the venue, such as taking more time than allowed for first look, couples photos, etc. After mutually agreeing to the timeline in the pre-planning meeting, when they could have just asked for more time, drinking alcohol during the event, not dressing appropriately, and not reading or adhering to instructions, pre-planning to logistics like loading in through the lobbies instead of the loading dock. So I guess just going wild and doing their own thing instead of following all of the predetermined instructions. What Dilshan is talking about, all of those things, plans are made for a reason. And when vendors go rogue and do their own thing, it really just creates a lot of hiccups. So you want to hire vendors who follow the actual plan instructions so they don't make you look bad. In general, every time I have a couple who choose to use a friender with a good camera, and then I have a note in here to see the first definition in the glossary, and we'll read that as soon as I finish the story, or actually refer to it here. There are two definitions to a friender. Here, it's not it's not a complimentary definition. It's a friend of a friend, a neighbor, an uncle, etc. So a friender can have two definitions. And here it's just someone with a good camera. But in the industry, when one vendor hires another vendor to use in an event that they are planning for themselves, that's what we call a friender. And when we use it in that regard, it's a compliment. But when a vendor uses it to refer to one of your friends um, who does this on the side and doesn't have any real certifications, any licensing, they don't pay sales tax, they're not doing this professionally. We refer to those people as frienders and it's not really used in a good light. It's more of an insult. I have a friend who choose to use a friender with a good camera. They always usually lack the experience and knowledge needed to perform on a wedding day. They may have a pretty Instagram feed with nice pictures of sunsets and flowers, but have really no familiarity with how fluid a wedding day is and the challenges it presents. In turn, so much time is wasted 
on waiting for this photographer, in quotes, to get the shot, change lenses, decide what angle to take, or how to pose the couple. The wedding day is too late to discover that they have no wedding experience. All right, my next story, actually stories, are from Chriselle Bonds with Delightful Little Events of San Antonio, Texas, and she actually gave me three examples that she wanted to share with us. So example number one is, this photographer was impossible to get a hold of. Calls were never returned and emails were never acknowledged to the point that we weren't even really sure they would show. The only thing we had to go off of was the initial consultation at which my clients hired this individual. It was extremely frustrating. They showed up on wedding day totally clueless with regard to timelines and logistics. We got them through that only to go through the same thing again when it was time to retrieve the photos. It was months later and only after threatening to sue, my clients finally got their pictures and they were subpar at that. After the wedding, all the excitement and expense, the pictures are all they have left. I felt really bad for my couple. Example number two, this was a husband and wife duo. Their contract clearly stated they would not speak to anyone but the marrying couple. I made several attempts to warm them up and avoid this. Couples hire a team to carry out their day and ensure they aren't having to take care of the little things and stresses that arise on the wedding day. I didn't want them to have to worry about directing the photographer, etc. They did not share this philosophy with me. Wedding day came around and they literally would not direct any questions or concerns to anyone but the couple down to where do we sit and who is going to serve our plate. It was literally the most childish tactic. And to say I was annoyed to the fullest is an understatement. I didn't have a choice but to sit down and allow the couple to endure them. After all, they hired them and agreed to the terms of their contract. Example number three. This was also a husband and wife duo. They showed up to a wedding in some pretty interesting and definitely unprofessional attire. It was almost as if the wedding had interrupted their picnic day at the park. The venue and wedding were pretty elegant to the point where they should have felt out of place showing up like that. They were very casual and nonchalant throughout the night, much like their outfits. They seemed to be mostly worried about when dinner time was and finding ways for us to speed up the timeline. These are experiences I can tell you about now and look back at them, thinking it may have been a little funny. It was nerve-wracking and beyond disappointing at the time. I will say lots of lessons were learned and a lot of communication now happens on my behalf prior to wedding day. I have learned to be extremely thorough ask the right questions, and ensure that I form the best team possible to carry out any event. Um, My next story is anonymous, but I can tell you that uh, I do remember this came from a venue owner. All right. Some things we see are just unreal, like the time the photographer remained barefoot from dinner on, sitting on the stage behind the DJ in full view with their feet propped up during breaks and when eating dinner. 
or the time the timeline got off a bit and the couple's first dance got moved back. When it was time for them to move into the first dance, the photographer was in the bridal suite eating and told the coordinator they can wait. The bride ended up having to go into the suite and have words with the photographer before they finally agreed to come photograph again. In the hundreds of weddings we've had, never have we had a photographer have issues with our lighting until last year. The photographer refused to photograph the details of the reception hall prior to the event with the lights on, nor would she photograph the ceremony because the lighting was impossible to edit. It was the worst, and this is in quotes, the worst she'd ever seen. And everything would be mustard yellow. So the bride literally got married in our chapel. And let me just interrupt and say this is an outdoor chapel with open walls. So the bride literally got married in our chapel with no lights on, not even the chandeliers. And the photographer, not realizing she was speaking to an owner, went on multiple rants about horrible lighting, how the buildings were designed, etc. We have also had many photographers that don't agree with the timeline they were given, so they make their own and hold up the flow of the event. This has resulted in the rest of the evening completely being thrown off, cold dinners, misphotographed moments, etc. We had a bride who was adamant that she wanted to enjoy the second half of cocktail hour. Because of this, she wanted to start photos early before the ceremony and have just a quick few shots right after dinner. The photographer not only was late, but after the ceremony also kept the couple held up 20 minutes past the cocktail hour end time. So much for making it to cocktail hour for that couple. Wow. That was a lot of different ways to kind of screw up a couple's day. I'll just comment on that last example. If your couple tells you they want to enjoy cocktail hour with their guests, the photographer needs to get them to cocktail hour with their guests. All right, this uh, next one is a short one and it is from Anonymous. I once second shot for a photographer who captured the entire reception sitting in a chair, which they never moved. I hate to think that the only quote unquote variety the couple received were from my images. I literally ran around for hours trying to capture as many angles as I could. All right, and here we are with the last example from moi. This is an example from me when I was second shooting. Early in my career, I second shot a wedding with a photographer who used nothing but four gigabyte, tiny and much less expensive memory cards on a single card slot camera. That is me implying she was not backing up. It took her months to return my 32 gigabyte cards to me. So I shot on two cameras that both had dual uh, memory card slots. So I was backing up. So I kept a card for me and gave a card to her so she could dump the images on her computer. When she finally did, when she finally returned my memory cards, she confessed that she had lost a few of her cards, some of which contained the entire ceremony. She had been lying to her clients in order to delay the delivery of their wedding gallery. 
that's it, guys. That is the end of these real life true stories from photographers behaving badly. And these are a lot of reasons. These aren't all of the reasons. These aren't all of the nightmare stories out there that exist in the world. These are just a few handful of stories that I solicited from venue owners, wedding planners, and other photographers that I know. But these are some scenarios that can happen to you leading up to your wedding day and on your wedding day if you do not take the time to properly vet your wedding vendors. So just to give you a tip, a lot of couples shopping for their vendors don't know how to vet their vendors fully. So nine times out of 10, they shop on price alone. They are shopping for a DJ. So they will reach out to two or three DJs. They'll get prices and they'll pick the cheapest one. They will shop for their photographer. They will reach out to two or three photographers whose work they like. They will get prices and they will pick the cheapest one. They will reach out to wedding planners. They will get two or three prices. They will pick the cheapest one. And this is how couples get into these types of situations with their wedding vendors because they are shopping on price alone. Again, if you want to know how to properly and fully vet your wedding vendors, tune into episodes 18 and 40. Again, those links are in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening today. If you loved this episode, guys, I am begging you to please share a screenshot of wherever you're listening and post that up on your Instagram story. You can tag either Complete Wedding Ed or Add a Girl Photo. If you loved this episode, just a quick reminder that my book is available on Amazon and it's Prime eligible. If you have a topic you ever want me to cover or a specific question you want me to answer, all you have to do is send me an email at Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y, at atagirlphoto, atagirlphoto.com. And lastly, I would love for you to subscribe and leave a review from wherever you're listening. I would be entirely grateful for whatever kind of help that you are willing to give me in order to help me grow this podcast. If you want to know more about me, my book, or this podcast, all you have to do is log on to completeweddinged.com or atagirlphoto.com. All the links to all the things are in my show notes. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you have a delightful day. I will catch you next time. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Complete Wedding Photography for Couples podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time and we hope that you learned something to make your wedding photographs better and your wedding day less stressful. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so others just like you can set their wedding photographer up for success. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you again during the next episode.